What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with DraftKings, same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. It has been a dead couple of days as far as sports go. We're obviously right around the MLB All-Star break. Uh, not much to watch. I don't know if, if you guys, it's a good time to catch up on Stranger Things, something like that. But it's also a good time to get those preseason bets in. They're, they're just great value on some of these week zero and week one lines. You can do it with our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That promo code DNVR only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restriction and eligibility to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Do you want to talk about the uh, interconference transfers? Because that's... It's really something we hadn't ever seen in the past. I mean, back in the day, that was like a, a big... Oh. I mean, it would have been such a scandal, you oh know? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? The Wyoming guys going to CSU, CSU oh, guys going to Wyoming. Yeah, but nowadays, no. that's just the reality we live in. I mean, they're, almost every team in the conference this year added a player that previously played for another member of the Mountain West. In some cases, it was almost an entire team like CSU <laughs> brought over, you know? Uh, 12 Nevada guys, 13 Nevada guys, and they could have brought over more. Norvell was like, honestly, like... He know, probably felt a little guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, no, it's, it is really different. And, and when it hit me, it was early in the process this offseason. Wyoming lost safety Realm Weber to the transfer portal, and he tweeted out, excited to get an offer from Colorado State. And boy, did that set Wyoming Twitter on fire. And I got to admit, I looked at that and went, dude, what? What? Yeah, what are you doing? But, you know, once again, the Cowboys and the Utah State Aggies did a little quarterback swap. Andrew Peasley now in Laramie, Levi Williams, coming off a unbelievable performance in the Potato Bowl. Now he's the quarterback in Logan, maybe the second quarterback, maybe the third quarterback. We saw Utah State had a nice freshman come in there and win their bowl game. Logan Bonner, obviously a really good quarterback as well. So where does Levi fit into that picture? But um, it is weird. The Cowboys also added T.J. Urban, which most people don't know about because he was at Air Force, but he was just in the prep school. He left after the prep school and entered the portal and ended up in Laramie and unfortunately tore his ACL five minutes into the first practice this spring. But once again, a guy from Air Force prep is, you know, in Laramie now. It's, it's really bizarre. The funny thing is I was able to talk with both um, Anderson, Utah State's head coach, and Bull about this. They swap quarterbacks. Now it wasn't. It's not like a trade. You know right. what I mean. Both both guys made it clear that it just kind of happened to play out that way. That Utah State's quarterback ended up at Wyoming. Wyoming's quarterback ended up at Utah State. But when I asked both coaches, "Do you think this is good for college football?" The, the interconference movement. Both coaches were like, "Look, it's it's the the way of the game now. So 
we're going to do it. Bigger problems. <laughs> but no, they're like, no, I don't think this is no. good. I've been in college football our whole life. We don't like it. It feels weird. You know, they, they know your most intimate secrets. Paul brought up the word antitrust. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big word. It's, it's, it's odd, man. I really don't know how to feel about it. I, I got a lot of different perspectives. I'm going to write a, a feature on it. I mean, obviously... Other coaches were a little bit more just kind of like like Jay Norvell, for instance. It, it would have been kind of hypocritical for him to be like, it's bad for football. <laughs> he's admitted that it's weird, but he's like, you know, it, just, it is what it is. They commit to the coaches more than schools nowadays. Yeah. And Brent Britton was like, no, why should why should you feel guilty? Why should Chevin Cordero, who's been in Hawaii, you know, Hawaii had a mass exodus, as most of you know. Uh, you know, their quarterback comes over and he, he transfers to San Jose State. And, and we both talked about it yesterday. We would play for Brent Britton in a heartbeat. He's a really likable guy. He's so good. And but Chavin, he's he's like, is it weird? He kept getting asked, is it weird? Is it awkward? You know, do you feel bad? Is it is there bad blood? And he's like, dude, look, we we got work to do. And this kid wanted to better himself, and he wanted to go somewhere else, and you just move on. And that's all there is to it. Yeah, all the coaches essentially said that they didn't feel there was any reason to have hard feelings this off season until Cordero kicks Hawaii's ass. Exactly. It's, it's one. It's it's. You know, our Nevada fans obviously have hard feelings. That's a, a, they might have some scenario. real hard feelings this fall. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame I don't. Uh, Jay Norvell did speak with Nevada media and, and gave, in my opinion, a very genuine, heartfelt message to the Nevada fans, thanking them for the time he was there. Um, if you are a Nevada fan, while I do understand the raw emotion of it, I'm not going to tell you not to be pissed off because yep. I, I would be. I think it's a little bit misplaced. Because they should be mad at their school for not giving him any support. None. Dude, we talked about it yesterday. That that stadium, they need so much work over there. And they have a really nice little university community over there that's across the highway from all the casinos and everything. They have the potential to have a really nice thing there. And Jay Norville, we talked about it in the hotel last night. He's made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what at that school for too long. He was the lowest paid coach in the Mountain West. And look what he was doing. You, you can't fault a guy for wanting to go where he's supported. And, and he's such a likable guy. You know that that was hard for him. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, boys are Nevada fans. I saw quite often online that their, their biggest gripe was, well, he took all these shots at Nevada. Well, it wasn't a shot. He got asked why you would leave. And obviously, that's going to come up. Why are you leaving a school for another school in the same conference? It's not obvious. Like, when you jump up from... You know, when Jim McElwain goes from CSU to Florida, it's pretty obvious. You don't have to be like, oh, why would you do that? It's a question when, you know, it's like, wait, you're going to go to a school that you just beat 52 to 10 in the season finale. So he explained, he's like, look, I love Nevada. I love the players. I love what we did there. But look at the resources. Look at what they're spending. Jay's talked constantly about the community and how much the fans want to win. I mean, Timmy Chang brought it up as well. He's like, I was only there for a couple weeks, but that's what stood out to me was just that, like, you can tell this is a community that actually supports its football program. Yeah, yeah, and it's too bad because Jay Norbell really put out a nice product, and you knew when Hawaii, or when Nevada came to town, it was going to be a dogfight every time because he's such, they're he's well such, they're well coached, and he's such a good dude. You, he's another guy you sit and talk with, and you're like, man, I want to play for him. And we saw yesterday here at the Mandalay Bay getting on the elevator, two Nevada players. They mobbed right him. into him and they mobbed him. There were no hard feelings. No. Was, you can just tell he's a, a There guy was genuine that, love between those players and the coach. That's what you want to see. Hell yes. So that's I, what Wyoming's been struggling with. And and I'm happy to hear Craig Bull once again reiterate yesterday, 
how much having relationships with players is important. Because we can't deny it. A lot of players that walked out the door this year in the transfer portal pointed directly at Craig Bull as a reason they left because they said, All right, my head coach doesn't care. He doesn't even talk to me. You can't do that. You anymore. can't. I mean, Adazio is the same way. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it. And I'm really glad to see that, that Craig's adjusting because in a column last year I had to write, the game's passing you by, buddy. It is. It is passing you by. And I'm not I'm not necessarily talking about X's and O's, although there are some things that Maybe throw five, ten more times a game. Exactly, but I mean, you got to do, you got to get that part right, especially in the day and age of transfer portal. You have to get it right. People management is the most important skill of being a college coach, basketball or football. Yep. Obviously, you've got to be able to adjust. Any coach is going to be able to scheme, adjust. That's that's part of the the most obvious part of the job. I think it'd be the funnest part of the job. Agreed, but it's the people management. Yeah. It's you went into that kid's living room. Why? Why all of a sudden he gets on campus and you're just like, prove it. Hey, you. you got to earn my Yes, exactly. That's not that. You can't do it. And, and Craig Bowl was brought up in the Tom Osborne School in Nebraska. And we talked about that last night, too. Tom Osborne would not last nowadays, most likely. Well, not, not with his, not with the way that he carried himself. I mean, you just, you have to be a people person. Yes. Even, like, people love to... Act like Nick Saban is this devil. Yeah. He's such a personable dude. Absolutely. Like, yes, he can be crotchety if he gets asked a stupid question, but who isn't? What's head scratching is Craig Bull is a personable guy, too. Yes, How many times is. have you talked to him and he's great? He's great. I yeah. mean, I, yesterday, me, Cody, Tracy Ringlesby, and uh, Ryan, we sat there for 30 minutes just talking about the state of college football and everything, just going back and forth. It wasn't like us grilling him and him, no. you know. Most of it's not even going to get quoted. It was just us. Yeah, like you know, genuinely, what do you think? You've been around this we game were, for so long. We were being dudes. Yeah, it was fun, and that's what makes <laughs> that's what makes the Mountain West fun. You know, it's not the SEC where you know it's in a big arena and it's a podium style where you're not everybody's getting the same quotes. You're not actually getting to know those coaches. Yeah. I was able to sit down and like genuinely, you know, talk to Tony K. Yeah. Sit down, Brent Brandon, Blake Anderson, Craig Wool. Yeah. It's awesome. I had a nice conversation. You're, I hope you're sitting down. I had a really nice conversation last year with Troy Calhoun. I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> and he was actually kind of funny. He, the thing I liked about Troy is he's like, who are you? Where are you from? You know, it, it wasn't just throwing questions at some guy in the corner. He yeah. actually talked back. Yeah, you got to tell the fans about uh, what Craig Bull was saying about Jay Norvell yesterday about meeting on the border. Oh, Because yeah. they're buddies, man. They're, they are genuinely buddies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've got a history that goes way back. Craig Bull coached Jay's brother. He was good friends with their father. It was the first African-American AD, I believe, at Wisconsin yep. when, when Craig Bull was there as a defensive uh, coordinator. And he's, he's, you know, just for years, I've heard him in the past, he's talked about how much admiration he has for Jay Norvell. He made it very clear yesterday, and he just, it's like, they got a good guy. They got a good one. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to put words into his mouth, but I asked Craig Bullo about Steve Adazio last year. <laughs> we'll just say the response, uh, it wasn't the same as when talking about Jay Norvell. I asked Craig Bull last year, right after the Adazio news broke, and I said, Coach, I'm, you know, CSU just hired a new coach. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that hire. And he goes, no comment. And then he and then he smiled, and then he goes, "We have an." He's like, "Unlike some other teams, we have a bowl game to prepare for." <laughs> <laughs> so no love loss there. I'm uh, I am putting words in his mouth. No love <laughs> loss there at all. Well, I mean, 
I, I love that Craig leans into the rivalry. It was clear last year that they, he was pissed that they lost that 2020 game to Collins. Like, uh-huh. He brought it up unprompted multiple times when I was talking to him because he knew I was a CSU guy. Yeah. You know, this year he was genuine with his admiration for, for Jay Norvell. He talked about how they should meet up at the border and have a beer at that, that bar, like right there in the, I can't remember what it's called. I can't either. The Crossroads or the Fork or something. The fork, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, he joked that he doesn't even buy gas in Fort Collins. Like, that, that that's great. It's not just another game. We yeah. talk about this all the time. It means yeah. so much more than that, and the coaches should know that. Yeah, Craig talked about, too, that he's pissed that his wife has to take their horse to CSU uh, <laughs> Veterinary Clinic. He said, he, what did he say, he paid Jay, half of Jay Norville's salary? Yeah, they're, they're paying Jay's salary with all the money they're spending at the CSU Vet Hospital. <laughs> yep. It's really good to see that. And I knew in 2020 when, when they resumed play, the Cowboys were in Reno, and Jay Norville's dad had just passed away like three days prior, and Wyoming lost a heartbreaker in overtime. And the first thing that Bull did was sat down in his press conference and he said, I feel really good for Jay Norvell. If I was ever going to lose a game, this is the game that I wanted to lose for him. And it was like, whoa. You know, I understand. But also, Craig put it in perspective because look what we were all going through with COVID. Totally. And we were, we were celebrating the fact that we were at a football stadium talking about a football game we just watched. And things were in perspective for him at that point, that there are bigger things in this world than losing an overtime game. He really felt for Jay Norvell, and he really thinks the world of him. So it's really cool to see that relationship. Speaking of uh, 2020, we, we, you know, we got some inside info here while we were out here. I can't give you all of it, but I, I, what I can tell you is that there were almost two border wars in 2020. So close. Like, much closer than I think many people <laughs> realize. Yeah, they they told me, uh, a Mountain West official told me that it was so close. And I even mentioned, I heard that the Mountain West was going to pay CSUs to, to get on a bus, to stay in a hotel, to come up to Laramie. And this would have been like two weeks after the water war. It was when Utah State canceled on Wyoming, which I know Utah State really canceled on Colorado State that year. But it was when they had too many positives. And... Tom Berman, Wyoming's athletic director, was scrambling for a game. And sure enough, they called CSU. They called Wyoming. Let's do it. Somebody said no. And he said, take a wild guess who said no. And I get it. And we've talked about it. The bronze boot wouldn't have been on the line. None of that would have been on the line. But what would have been on the line is the good feelings that CSU finally had after losing four straight to Wyoming. That and I get it, I get it, but on the other hand, I don't get it because we needed games that year. It was a weird situation, it would have been one of those where I could have talked myself into it, but I just think it, it really just came down to the fact that it was CSU's first rivalry win in a half decade. Yeah, and they were like, We can't, like, we, we've been celebrating for a week, yeah. we kind of need this positive momentum. And you got to factor in also, I mean, how 2020 started for CSU. Begins with the investigation of Adazio. The camp gets delayed. Like they had already just gotten blown out by Fresno State on the road in the opener. It's just like we kind of need something good going our way. You need something good, but if you're Adazio too, don't you think we need teams? Well, what if you beat Wyoming twice? Too? Right, that's right. The counter, that's like, There's some good momentum there, but I have to believe Justin that they weren't going to beat Wyoming twice. Um, and also, if you remember, Wyoming could have seven thousand people in the stands. No, it, it would have been fun just to, because yeah. the, the game in Fort Collins felt so hollow. 
Oh, so it was empty. I mean, I remember even sitting in the press box and it's just silent. I was like, this is eerie. I feel we, like I'm in a zombie movie. We could just hear that terrible crowd noise on loop. Yeah. And it was awful. And there was like 10 guys playing beer pong in the uh, end zone there, you know, on the concrete outside the gate. And that was it. It was the most... I parked right next to Canvas Stadium. Yeah, me too. That was weird. I mean, if there, if there was... If there's ever a game that always needs to have an audience. It's, it's just CSU-Wyoming, because the atmosphere is like 70% of what makes it great. I would love to hear from a CSU player, and maybe you should have asked last year, what, and maybe you have, what did, what did that feel like now a couple years after it? Like, was that hollow for a Trey McBride who had had so little success in that rivalry? After, I mean, I did ask about, I was like, without the fans, there is just a special, and at the time, they all said yes, sure. which I, you know, again, after not winning for a half decade. I mean, it's, it's tough to blame them, but... I can believe it was special, though, because of those guys in that locker room. Think about that time. They were the only people who could be around each other. So talk about brothers. You can throw that word around loosely, but talk about real brotherhood there. Point. That they had to have felt damn good. That had to have been a damn good party in the locker room. But it is hollow because no fans were in the stands. But I, I for one, will not be taking that loss or taking that win away from Colorado State. No, I mean, it's... I get annoyed when people try and do the asterisk thing in general. Like, people do it with the NBA. It's, oh, it's a bubble title. Look, they played. Was it an asterisk if Wyoming won? That's my point. Exactly. So, you yeah. you played, they won, in, and they played again in 2021. And in Wyoming, obviously, Molly walked up. And it, was a, it was a tough one. That was a long drive back to Denver for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. We did also get to hear from Craig Thompson. We haven't talked about that. I don't want to make it a whole big thing, but I will say that uh, I mean, it, it was exactly what we expected. He went through the scenarios, you know, they're, well, if two teams leave, we might do this, or we might stay put. It was essentially what I've been doing on my podcast. You know, well, what if Washington State and Oregon State come over? Well, what if Colorado and goes to the Big 12? Like, essentially, all he said was the goal is to factor into College football at the highest level. They have a history of playing football that goes back to the 1890s. And then he feels that the Mountain West reputation at this point should be, you know, that they deserve to be in this conversation. He did add that they were super frustrated. The expanded college football playoff did not pass. I know that he takes a lot of heat. Thompson was a big part of, of what got that on the table, what even made it a possibility. That was, I mean, that was a huge point of emphasis for the league, but it failed because the ACC and the Pac-12 ended up rejecting it, and now they're just as screwed as, as we are. And so why would they have rejected it anyway? I, I, I talk can't about, think of a logical reason. Yeah, talk about the Pac-12 specifically, a team that never, <laughs> I mean, just was worse success in, the, in even getting to the playoff. Yeah. I mean, you would think they would have won expanded all day long. You know they want it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they definitely wanted you. Might as well put it back on the table. Honestly, I think that schools in the ACC and, and Pac-12 were, were looking at the situation and being like, well, we don't want to risk potentially, you know, having a G5 team get in over us. And then, you know, they tried to essentially lock them out. And uh, then Karma came around and kicked them in the teeth. Yep, it sure did. And you know what? The Mountain West had some pretty nice success in those big bowl games, didn't they? Exactly. Bowl championship, the, the best percentage in any bowl games of any conference last year. Got a big old trophy out here. It looks good. I mean, it, it wouldn't look as good as like a Fiesta Bowl trophy <laughs> or something like that, but it looks good. It's good to see. Um, you know, they're going to look at all options. That's, that's what they're going to do. 
Yeah, you know, it's hard to believe, Justin. It, college football is so great for so many reasons, and it's also so bizarre. You know, the Cowboys were picked to finish second last year in the Mountain Division. Got a ton of first-place votes. They were right on Boise State's heels. It was the time to do it. And my photographer and I said, can you imagine if we're at the Fiesta Bowl? And the way Wyoming's schedule kind of lined up, they had Utah at home. That was the tough one. They had to go on the road late and beat Boise State. But that was, like, a genuine conversation we had. And then in December, we found ourselves in Boise, Idaho at the Potato Bowl. I'll say this. The fact that a 10-win league champion who beat a top 25 team in the conference championship was rewarded with the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl against the 7-5 and Oregon State. It, it was... It was a bummer. The only cool part about that, that is a bummer. Don't get me wrong. The, but the, only, won. the only cool part to me is that they got to play a, a team from a Power 5 conference. At least that, yeah. It's the, always the Pac-12 wins a Pac-12 win. No offense, we have a we have a bowl representative sitting here at the table. <laughs> but Wyoming's bowl ties for the most part, or not Wyoming, Mountain West bowl ties for the most part, are infuriating because we want to play, we want to play P5 teams. Do we not? Well, you just, you wanna, How many times you got to play Kent State in Central Michigan? It's just there's no juice. They don't even have juice in their home stadiums. That's a good point. It's frustrating as hell. I just, I just want them to be playing exciting matchups. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a team from a power conference to me. But I mean, if you have a ten win team, then I feel like they probably shouldn't be getting matched up, you know, against a team that went seven and five against a. Not that difficult to schedule. If you're from Georgia last December, are you going to kick back, grab a beer, and grab your popcorn and sit down and watch six win Kent State against six win Wyoming on hideous blue turf in the middle of a freezing cold nightmare? Oh, there's a lot of problems with the potato bowl in general. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, I, I don't know, we can talk about that forever, but it's just, I wish the bowl ties were better. Arizona Bowl, that's who's sitting here with us at the table. Arizona Bowl is a great venue. It's a cool place. It's it was beautiful when it's Wyoming played there. It was awesome. It's much better than Boise. In the, the worst part of the Arizona Bowl was playing Georgia State, and that's no offense to Georgia State, but it's Georgia State. They brought like two hundred people. That is not fun at all. And if you're just some Joe Blow college football fan and you're scanning, you look and go, "Oh, Wyoming's playing Georgia State." Well, I mean, it was it was kind of like when CSU was in the Potato Bowl against the University of Idaho. Idaho. Yes. It's like, really? Like, I just, it's hard to get excited for that. But, I mean, some of it just comes down to you have to you have to win the games that matter. You know, you, you've got to not only rack up wins, but you've got to win some of the big games. Utah State, despite the fact that they did win 10 games, they did lose to BYU, they did lose to Boise State, so that, you know, they lost some of those big ones to you win one of those. I think they probably end up being one of the, the G5 teams on New Year's Six. Yeah. Because you're an 11-win team. you got a top 25 win at that point in the conference championship. Lauren, yeah. things do got to fall your way. I mean, it, it couldn't have been scripted better that Cincinnati beat Notre Dame on the road last year. Exactly. You, you, you do definitely need things to, to fall your way. It'll be interesting. I'll be curious to see this upcoming year, how eliminate, or the 2023, mm-hmm. how eliminating divisions will potentially impact all of this. You know, maybe if you could get a couple of 10-win teams in the conference championship, they both end up in higher bowls. Everything moves up. You know what I mean? Instead of having your best team representing in the L.A. Bowl, maybe your best team is representing in a New Year's Six Bowl, and your second best team is in the L.A. Bowl. And then you've got, you know, Wyoming in the the Arizona Bowl. And it's just everything moves up at that point. Yeah, absolutely. It's... I don't know. 
do you see a team in the Mountain West this year that could potentially burst that bubble? Fresno State. I agree wholeheartedly. They've got the conference. They've got the, the schedule to do it. They play most of the contenders in the league. They also have a non-conference game against USC. I mean, if you go 10-2, win the league, I think they, they should at least be in the conversation at that point. Obviously, some of it's going to be dependent on Oh, how does Cincinnati look in the AAC? They're going to still get the benefit of the doubt coming off of a playoff appearance. Yeah. But uh, I would say Fresno State, San Diego State maybe with the defense that they have, if their offense is a little bit more versatile, they did add a Burmeister at quarterback transfer. I, I could see them potentially you know, crashing the party. Maybe Air Force. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Well, and of course, you can't count out Boise State. They you know, Hank Bachmeyer's back. They, they might. They, they have a, a really good defense, too. Props. I'm not giving it to them. <laughs> but, yes, Boise State could very well be in the conversation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be um, pretty evenly matched. There's not really necessarily some bottom, you know, New Mexico, I guess. New Mexico and UNLV. But, I mean, UNLV's offense, even last year, made great strides. Yeah. Defensively, I think UNM is always going to be tricky when you've got Rocky Long. Yep. They've got some talent in that secondary. We talked about how much we like Jared Reed. Yeah. But they just, I mean, their offensive line was so bad last year. At the yeah. CSU, I've never seen a defense dominate an FBS offense the way that CSU. I mean, they held them under 100 yards. It was like nine sacks. Yeah. They hit the quarterback another 10 times. It was well, that's where, that's where I got to give uh, Coach Gonzalez a lot of props. They they played in Laramie the next week, and they walked out of there with a 14-3 win. They snapped a, a, a world's best or world's worst 20-game skid, and uh, they came out in the option. They ran the option against Wyoming, obviously after getting hammered by CSU and giving up that many sacks. They came out in an option, and they and it worked. It was effective enough to win 14-3. I don't know why New Mexico doesn't just run the option anyways. I mean, you're, you're not going to attract NFL quarterbacks very frequently. No. You're not going to attract NFL wide receivers very frequently. Just but a pink basket. Yeah. That's about, <laughs> it. That's about it. I mean, why not just get quirky? Why not make yourself a mismatch? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it worked. I mean, I, I get that, like, the reason that teams like Nebraska and Oklahoma went away from the wishbone back in the day was that they weren't, you know, landing NFL caliber players and that the, the best players were going to other schools because they wanted to get to the league. Yeah. But you're in New Mexico. Yeah. So just try and win, get competitive, and then maybe you go back to it. Yeah, maybe something. I mean, try anything at this point, right? I, I mean, when they beat Boise State, I think they did a variation of the, the option as well. It was just like a... Quirky. I mean, it wasn't necessarily like the triple option, but well, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare in Laramie. And what they did is they air forced Wyoming. They chewed up the entire clock. That's what they should do. Yep. They're undersized when you don't have. Yep. I mean, if, if New Mexico, for instance, you know, going against CSU, I, I feel like if you're looking at that matchup, you're like, are, are we gonna go tit for tat with them? You know, score, score, score. That's that's not gonna work. No. Us. We got to keep the ball out of their hands. That's why I give Gonzalez so much credit, man. He sat down and watched that tape, and he called his offensive guys in and said, this ain't going to work. The only chance we have going into Laramie next week and winning or being competitive. I remember his press conference the week prior. It was actually really sad. He's like, I just hope we can be competitive. I mean, well, we I are mean, not showing But that's how right. bad that CSU game was. Yes. Like, I mean, it was – <laughs> 
I'm bringing up some bad memories for Ram fans because they, they get that, they get the homecoming win over San Jose State, and then they go into Logan and then just, oh, we don't need to go over that again. But I'll say this, I did talk to Anderson about it, and he was like, yeah, that was the win that propelled us to a conference championship. Yep. And that was also the loss that took all of the, the wind out of CSU sales because they should not have been a three, four win team last year. They, nope. they, I'm not saying they were conference champion material, but that was a team that should have at least gone 500 with the amount of experience they had on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. And it, and it was such a weird year up in Laramie that you can lose at home to lowly New Mexico. And then throttle CSU. Throttle CSU. Then go into into Logan and beat beat the Aggies forty four to seventeen. Whipped them. Then come home and get absolutely housed by Hawaii. When it came to the bowl game against a Hawaii Kent State, team, no idea. That had a broken locker. Yeah. Now we know how bad that situation was in Hawaii, and you would have never guessed. And I remember after the, or after that game, talking to Craig Bowl saying. Basically another, like I told you after New Mexico, what the hell happened? I mean, that's the only question you have after those losses, right? And he says, well, the, you know, them hitting that Hail Mary before the half really hurt us. What are you talking about? You lost by like four scores, <laughs> that, that was a beatdown. <laughs> so we had no clue what Wyoming team was going to show up in Boise against Kent State. None. It was the, one of the weirdest college football seasons. And imagine saying that after 2020. That's a good point. <laughs> we somehow got even hotter. It did. It did. So maybe some normalcy this year. That's what I'm hoping for. But I'll say this, man. It just it feels good to be out here again for the first time in a couple of years. I know that the, the pandemic is, is still, you know, rearing. I'm not trying to be insensitive. Shout out to all of the, you know, medical workers out there. I know the last couple of years have been brutal. But it, it does kind of feel like we're at least somewhat getting closer to, you know, like a normal college football feel. Yep. You know, the, the players are practicing normal again. The fans are going to be in the stands. Tailgating is going to be back. It's, it's it's just going to be what we love about this game. I think I only heard one very, very annoying Boise State beat writer ask about COVID this week. Well, last year it was essentially every <laughs> single question that got asked. Yeah. So it, it was definitely refreshing to it be able to weird. talk about football. It was later. weird to hear a question about it now. No, it really is. I mean, yeah. at this point it's like, I mean, people are just like, you're not changing anybody's mind. Yeah. Are we grandstanding? Yeah. Guess who that reporter was? Oh, <laughs> going to get us in trouble. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, Cody, it's been a blast. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what we learn on day two. We'll have a chance to meet with some of the players around the league. Uh, yeah, thank you. Make sure you are following all of our work on Twitter, on Facebook, all that fun stuff. I'm Justin Michael from DMVR Sports. I'm with Cody Tucker of 7220. We'll be back with more content throughout the week. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Beers are on tap and regular seltzers are being sold in the bar. You guys know we love our Breck beers at DNVR. Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion, and there's no better way to watch a game than having some Breck Brew with it. Breck Brew has been doing this for over 30 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beers. Try out some of my favorites, whether it's the Avalanche Amber Ale, Juice Trap IPA. They have a new Summer Pill Shandy, which is absolutely perfection. Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter, Hard Seltzers, Lemonade Seltzers, Hard Sodas, you name it, Breck does it. They have a beer for any occasion, and they really are the best around. Check out the Breck Beer Locator, find the closest location near you, selling all of their delicious things, whether it's a grocery store, liquor store, you name it, go check it out.
Skinny looking kid with the cuff khakis Wearing graphic tees Feeling way too trendy Raps that kill Oh, I'm deadly Primed and ready Like machetes At a deli In New Delhi Feeling scummy Like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh, I'm gnarly Like non